You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia and today we're going to talk about the path back to self, living your best life, which I thought would be a great kickoff to the new year 2022. I'm uh, kicking off the new year with a juice fast that I started on the 2nd and I'm not quite sure how long I'm going to go with it, but feeling great so far. And uh, that's something that I'm doing for myself that I do for myself every new year. When I first started working with narcissistic abuse, I focused, like most people, on the traits, the characteristics, and issues pertaining to the narcissist. I still believe this is important because we do need to be well-educated and informed as to the types of control and manipulation typically used by someone who is narcissistic. This helps us not only to understand that what we have experienced in such relationships is a type of abuse, but it also prepares us on how to leave these chaotic and highly volatile relationships. Once we do leave the relationship, we have to begin changing our focus from the narcissistic person and his or her life, what that person's doing or who that person's with or what drama's going on over there and bring our attention back to ourselves. For codependent people, this can be really difficult because codependents typically focus on the needs of others over their own needs. Codependents and narcissists typically pair up because the narcissist focuses on his or her own needs and has no concern for the needs of their partner. Likewise, the codependent focuses on the needs of his or her partner without any concern for their own needs. The narcissist requires partners to be focused on them. They need that constant attention to themselves, whether it be positive or negative. So when a codependent leaves the relationship with the narcissist, The focus is typically still on the narcissist. The codependent is conditioned to focus on that person, and this is pretty normal for codependency. Self-focus can feel odd for a codependent. He or she has learned to deal with uncomfortable feelings or toxic environments by focusing outside of the self. So to return back to the self can be a daunting task. Recovery from codependency may be a necessary focus on the path back to self. It's important to familiarize yourself with the codependent traits and do a true self-evaluation to see where you might be codependent. Just remember that 
denial is one of the traits. So if you can't relate to any of the characteristics, you may be in denial. Denial keeps us safe from facing something that might be very difficult to look at. At the core of codependency is shame. Shame is a feeling of not being good enough, being flawed, unlovable, and worthless. One may not even be aware of shame-based feelings until something happens to bring them to the surface, such as a relationship with a narcissist. Since the narcissist, who is also shame-based, projects his or her shame upon the intimate partner or children, it triggers core shame that is within the individual receiving the projections. Our defense mechanisms protect us against these horribly shameful feelings, whether it's codependency, alcoholism, drug addiction, sex addiction, or narcissism that plagues us, we're all running away from the same thing, shame. Shame tells us that there's something wrong with us. We're not normal. We don't fit in. This all equates to feeling worthless and unlovable. Those feelings are so deeply painful that we avoid them at all cost. So admitting to ourselves that we're codependent or an addict may be the most difficult thing for us. Even if you can admit to yourself that you are codependent, it may be difficult to actually get into recovery and delve into exactly why you're codependent and what your actual traits are. We may tend to see ourselves as selfless and loving, but in recovery come to find that we're actually quite controlling or manipulative or passive aggressive. We may find that we project our expectations onto others and become resentful when they're not who we need them to be. We may find that we don't tell the truth for fear of being judged or not liked. We may realize that our desire to be loved and accepted by others causes us to pretend to be something that we're not or hide parts of ourselves for fear of being judged. We may find that our desire to be seen as kind and loving may cause us to act one way on the outside, but then feel angry and resentful on the inside. We may be overly generous with our time, attention, and or money in order to be seen as good, even if we don't have the time, attention, or money to give. When we begin the path back to self, we need to be willing to look at ourselves really honestly. That is part of the recovery process. Although we may have been victimized by a narcissist, we're really not victims. We're acting from our own unconscious dysfunction. And this is why we chose to get involved with the narcissist in the first place. The narcissist initially appeals to our need to be liked, loved, admired, seen as good, attractive, and valuable. Codependents are typically vulnerable to the love bombing of a narcissist because this appeases the deep, often unconscious feelings of unworthiness. Unfortunately, in the end, it's a completely different story. 
The more we can self-evaluate and understand our own true nature, the more we lean towards health and wellness. Even if we have an active addiction to a narcissist, we can use logic and reasoning to stay away and protect ourselves from further abuse and manipulation. And just as an alcoholic may still have an active addiction to that alcohol, but uses the logic and reasoning to avoid that alcohol and avoid going to environments or putting themselves in environments where there's alcohol. We may have a difficult time believing that person doesn't really care about us or love us, but we have enough evidence that we really can't ignore. If we do ignore the evidence, we know we have brought on the next round of abuse ourselves. By our failure to acknowledge the truth, we get slapped in the face with it time and time again until we finally get it. One of the most difficult things for a codependent to do is to admit to a group of strangers that he or she is codependent, which is typically what happens when you go to 12-step meetings. It goes against the very survival coping mechanisms of the codependent to be seen as perfect or good. When we admit codependency, we admit that we're flawed. We admit that we're not perfect. And we come up against our fear of not being loved as a result. Even if we are standing before a group of self-proclaimed codependents, it still feels very risky. We might believe others are better at it than we are, or further ahead, or more lovable still. Yet this is the place where we heal and learn that we are all in the same boat. We're all on the same journey. Our journey is to have a healthy relationship with ourselves, which allows us to have a healthy relationship with others. A healthy relationship with oneself is, of course, first and foremost, we need to start at home. We need to be really honest with ourselves about what needs to change in our lives. We may need to commit to staying out of intimate relationships for a time, learn how to self-soothe, meditate, eat right, exercise, and take time for ourselves. We may need to enter some kind of therapy to do the deeper inner work. We may need to cut off relationships with toxic, unhealthy people. We may even need to take a step back from family members who are unhealthy in their interactions with us. We may need to let go of lifelong friendships. Sometimes when you first embark upon that path back to self, you might feel isolated and lonely. And this is because everything in your life needs to change in order for you to be healthy. You need to let go of the narcissist and maybe a narcissistic parent or friend or boss. You may find after the house cleaning process where you let go of unhealthy relationships, you don't have many relationships left, if any at all. And this sheds light on the painful truth that you've been surrounding yourself with unhealthy, dysfunctional people 
and don't have any healthy, truly satisfying relationships. In the 12-step recovery groups for codependency, you're meeting and connecting with other people who are working hard to get healthy and have healthy relationships. So here you can truly see recovery and begin to experience healthy relationships. If you find yourself mostly alone, do join a 12-step program and embrace this time to really get to know you on a whole new level. And this can be so very rewarding. Take a really good, hard look at your life. Are you healthy? Do you need to make a lifestyle change? Do you smoke, eat junk food, drink too much? Do you spend all your spare time online, mindlessly watching videos or losing yourself in social media? Do you like your job? Are you avoiding doing something you've really wanted to do? Do you like where you live? What changes do you really need to make in your life? When I talk about the path back to self, some people may feel they've never really had a self, so there's nothing to go back to. If this is the case for you, see it as the path to your true self. This is a process of finding yourself, learning who you really are, what you like, what you need, what you value, what your morals and values are. This is a process of discovering your interests, your passions, your gifts, and your desires. This is a process of really learning to live your life for you and not live for someone else. When one relationship ends, our focus will often go to finding another relationship. Not right away, of course, if you've been with a narcissist. Most people who've been with a narcissist don't even want to think about another relationship. But when they really start to heal and feel better, this tends to be where the focus goes. But what if when you start to feel better, when you start to feel strong again, you actually deepen your focus on yourself. You use that strength for yourself and you go the next level. As you increase your own energy levels and really start to have a rich, fulfilling, inspired life, then you are in a much better place to attract someone or be attracted to someone who's also living a rich, fulfilling, inspired life. And you can have a much healthier relationship. So let's take a look at some of the areas to focus on as you are on that path back to self. The first one is healing core wounds and beliefs. Become aware of your core wounds and how they attract you into dysfunctional and toxic relationships and keep you holding on to them. Your core wounds are encoded into beliefs. There's a saying, it's done unto you as you believe. And this is something that Jesus said in the Bible, but it's also used by the metaphysical community and law of attraction groups. What we believe about ourselves is very important. If we have a core belief that we are unworthy, guess what? 
we will continue to bring people into our lives who enforce this belief for us or who mirror this belief to us. What happens is that we say to ourselves, well, it must be true that I'm unworthy because the people I love the most treat me like I am. This just enforces the belief and makes it stronger. So when you're doing your inner work, you have to be willing to examine the beliefs you hold about yourself. Once you discover and write down what these beliefs are, you can start to debunk them every time a thought of your unworthiness enters your mind by saying to yourself, this is not true about me. I don't accept this. I am worthy. I do matter. Reject the false beliefs you hold about yourself and replace them with new beliefs. I am worthy. I do matter. I am lovable. If you continue to tell yourself this enough times over and over again, it begins to establish a pattern that gets picked up by the unconscious, by the subconscious. So that's the kind of pattern you want. It's a healthy pattern, of, a pattern of believing in your own worthiness instead of your unworthiness. Okay, the second focus on the path back to self is to heal your codependency. Now, we've talked about this quite a lot, and I've done lots of podcasts on healing codependency, but I can't stress enough the importance of getting into recovery for codependency. Join a 12-step group and start working the 12 steps. Look at those unconscious patterns that are running your life and making your choices for you. Look at patterns like people-pleasing, caretaking, enabling, love addiction, poor boundaries, denial of one's own needs, passive-aggressive behavior, controlling behavior, and other behaviors that are causing problems in your life. We often develop a belief that it's all about the narcissist in our lives, and if they would just change their behavior, we'd have what we want. But this is not true. We get involved with dysfunctional people because of our own dysfunction. So if that narcissist magically became healthy and happy, you probably wouldn't be attracted to them anymore. And that's sad, but true. We wouldn't stay in a dysfunctional relationship if we were truly healthy. When we see destructive behaviors in a new relationship, instead of leaving that relationship, our caretaker kicks in or our rehabilitator and we try to fix them. This behavior can continue for 10, 20, 30, even 40 years or more. Our own denial prevents us from saying, hmm, this person hasn't changed in 20 years. What makes me think he or she's going to change in the next 20 years? If that person is a player, for example, and you're always feeling insecure and jealous in your relationship because you suspect your partner's interested in others romantically, the codependent reaction is to try and get them to be committed and devoted to only you. You might confront them about their behavior or worse yet, sweep it under the rug. You might even find yourself accepting multiple affairs, 
and forgiving them. But after the first time you become aware of this player type of behavior, it would actually be the healthy choice to let that person know that this doesn't work for you. You don't feel special in the relationship. You don't feel like a priority. And it's just not going to work for you to remain in that situation. Because after all, your feelings are important here. You do matter. Sometimes we're simply insecure in all our relationships because we don't feel worthy. But in many cases, we choose partners who are constantly poking at our soft spots and activating our insecurities. And these are people who really don't care about us. We need to learn to recognize unloving and uncaring behavior in others and love and care enough for ourselves to not allow this to continue. Now, the third thing to confront on the path back to self is love addiction. Love addiction is a codependent trait. When you do realize a relationship isn't good for you, you may not walk away because you feel addicted to that person. Instead of getting into treatment for your love addiction and codependency, you might focus on trying to get your needs met from someone incapable of meeting them. And this can become an addictive pursuit that never pays off. This type of addiction typically comes from a childhood wound of trying to get needs met from a parent who's incapable of meeting your needs. Your child mind interprets this as, I'm unlovable and unworthy of my parents' love. There's a deep insecurity that develops that keeps that child trying to earn the parent's love and attention. And there's likely an unconscious belief that tells you if you can win over that parent, it will be evidence that you're enough. It's kind of your way of, as a little child, of trying to turn things around. This pattern of trying to win over the unavailable parent is transferred to your adult relationships and you begin to choose unavailable partners and try to win them over. You may become addicted to trying to get attention, approval, love, support, or whatever you need from someone who just can't give it to you. This doesn't mean that you're unworthy of these things. It just means that you're making poor choices in your life. Instead of choosing someone who can give you what you want and need, you choose someone who is unavailable and continue that pattern. Recovering from this kind of addiction pattern is not a white-knuckle process. It's not a matter of just forcing yourself to go no contact with that person. It is delving deeply into the understanding of your own patterns so that you can heal them. An alcoholic may drink because he or she is avoiding painful feelings. When the alcoholic decides to stop drinking, he can't just stop using alcohol and be successful. He has to get fully into a recovery program and start doing the feeling work. When we don't medicate anymore, the things that we're medicating come up to the surface of our awareness. And this is when we have to deal with them. 
The next thing to consider is healing all addictions. Sometimes we have multiple addictions running. Many of my clients come out of abusive dynamics, use alcohol or drugs to self-medicate, and avoid the huge pain under the surface. One will not recover from their abusive attraction patterns if they don't also recover from self-medicating. It's important to get into treatment also for drugs or alcohol if you are using it in order to escape reality. As long as you are addicted to a substance, you'll never truly find yourself and live your best life. Keep in mind that most people who are using substances to self-medicate are in denial about how this usage is impacting their life and their decisions. Many people I talk to about being addicted to a substance will give me reasons why this is not true. And those reasons keep them safe and comfortable in their addictive process so they don't have to change. Other people I work with become aware of their addictions within that toxic relationship, and they did get into recovery. Once they started to thaw out from all that drug or alcohol numbing, they start to feel. And once they started to feel what was being numbed, they came to realize how toxic their relationship was. By the time they came to me, they were already off the substance and ready to go deeper into their healing process. The 12-step programs have a proven track record for many different reasons, so I highly recommend getting into one if you are addicted to anything at all or are codependent. Now let's talk about food as an addiction. We often don't think of food as an addiction, but really it is. I was addicted as a teenager when I had an eating disorder. Using food to numb your feelings or trying to control your intake of food is addictive. Food begins to consume one's life. Their life is about how much they're eating, what they're eating, how much weight they've gained or lost, and how they feel about their body. The next diet isn't going to help when there's a food addiction. Food is being used the same way a drug or alcohol is being used to numb one's feelings or reality. There are 12-step programs for overeating as well. Or if you have an eating disorder, get into therapy. If your current body size and shape or your relationship with food is unhealthy, healing is needed not the next diet. Diets don't work and can't work over the long term. It's a lifestyle change that is needed, and we can't make lifestyle changes if we don't deal with our underlying addictions to food. It's highly possible with any addiction that there is also an underlying issue with codependency, So I would recommend that even if you're in recovery for drugs, alcohol, food, or something else, that you also get into recovery for codependency. Now, there's a lot of people that will attend 12-step meetings for 
alcoholics and also attend 12-step meetings for codependency because they recognize that codependency is a big issue in their lives. So now let's talk about work and life purpose. Having a sense of purpose in one's life is really important. We all need to feel like our life matters, that we're making a difference in the world in some way. Even if you're a stay-at-home mom, it's important to have a sense of purpose. Your purpose can involve your job or business, or it can be centered more around a hobby or extracurricular activity or even raising your children. But we all want to feel inspired in our lives and feel that our life force energy is being used in a positive way. You may have a side blog or a YouTube channel where you share something you're passionate about. You may feel to start your own business if you haven't already. You may enjoy creating music or art. You may enjoy writing. You may enjoy fixing things or building things. You may enjoy inspiring or helping others. If you don't already know what your life purpose is, it's important to explore this as part of the path back to self. I can even help you to explore your life purpose in hypnotherapy if you need some help with this. A life without meaning is an empty life. And we all need to find meaning in what we do and how we spend our time. If you hate your job, you may want to decide what you would really love to do. Live a purposeful life. Bake yourself a delicious pie. So, I'm not talking about food here. Listen up. One way to be sure that you create a whole, happy, and fulfilling life is to create a pie. This means you make a circle and you divide that circle into six or eight pieces. Each piece of the pie represents an area of your life. An example life pie may be divided into these eight pieces. One, your work or business. Two, your relationship with yourself. Three, your spiritual life and or your recovery. Four, your family. Five, your social life. Six, your relationship with a significant other. Seven, your hobbies. And eight, managing your household. Now, it's up to you to decide what is important in your life. But... Do you realize that your relationship with a significant other only gets one piece of that pie? It doesn't get the whole dang pie. It only gets a piece of the pie. So you want to create a well-rounded, balanced life, one that is truly delicious on all levels. Sure, there are some pieces like managing the household that may not be so fun. This is cleaning, paying bills, maintenance, organizing closets, tending to the car, and all of that stuff. But it is still a necessary piece. That's managing your life. If you don't have a significant other, you get to take that piece and give it to yourself. So you have extra for yourself until such a time that you do have a significant other. 
This is extra time you can reserve for self-care, self-nurturing, self-exploration, or anything else you would find important. The thing about a pie is there is not unlimited pieces. You don't have unlimited time. You have to organize your pie in a way that gives priority to all the pieces, but you don't let one or two pieces consume your life while the rest falls apart, right? The pie puts things in perspective for you. When your life has already fallen apart and you're trying to rebuild, you may need to give most of the pie to yourself at first. But as you begin to heal, you need to start rebuilding, which is the process of baking your pie. If you have children and are in personal crisis, you and your children will need to have the majority of the pie at first. That just makes sense because you're in survival. But the path back to self is a path of moving from merely surviving to thriving. It's about creating a rich, full, balanced life. It's about becoming your best self. So ask yourself, what is getting in the way of you becoming your best self? Of all the things we talked about today, what did you resonate with the most? What do you see as the areas that you need to focus on the most? Get really honest with yourself. Do some real deep dive. Write in your journal. Make this the year to really do the hard work. If you're feeling stuck in creating a life truly worth living, I am happy to help. You can sign up for counseling, coaching, or hypnotherapy sessions at my websites, pathbacktoself.com or narcissismfree.com. I want to thank you so much for listening today, and may this be the year that you take the path back to self and live your best life. Have a great day.